you know, I've been sitting here through this uh, through this show, and I it's really interesting because I've been so nervous. Not because I'm afraid to speak, but I'm trying to decide who I want to be. George Lucas, Vatan Gregorian, Steve Wynn. It's really amazing to, uh, to really be here and have all these people come up here so secure, so sure, so dynamic, so aware, so giving to the world. But that might scare you. I imagine I really am the student. I'm where you are now. I think that's why I got nervous. I said, what am I going to do? I'm just getting into college. How am I going to be that? And that's really scary. I came with my two boys who have been giving me little speeches about how to speak, <laughs> giving me notes, and wetting my hands so I wouldn't fall asleep at lunch. This has been very interesting and sort of very exciting because I don't think I've ever been exposed to that kind of world before, seeing all these people in one room and seeing so many students that really care. On the film that you've seen, you, you've seen a world that um, I didn't grow up with. I didn't come from that background. I didn't have a horse when I was 16. I didn't even have a bike. Uh, I used to wear my brother's shoes, my, my older brother's t-shirts. I had two brothers and a sister. Fortunately, I wore my brother's clothes, not my sister's clothes. I think probably what inspired me was uh, I wanted my own clothes. I wanted to wear something that was new for a change. <laughs> so what happened here is a kid who was growing up in the Bronx, which is a, somewhat an area that we've known and heard about, like Bronx and Brooklyn and Brooklyn chewing gum and that type of thing, the home of the New York Yankees. Well, I grew up playing basketball in the schoolyards, baseball. By the way, I did not charge my team for the jacket. Uh, but I did grow up wanting to be something, wanting to be something special. Because if you don't have the money and you don't have all the things that some of the other kids have at some point in their lives, you do want to acquire and you do want to achieve. And life at that time is not about what am I going to give to society is how am I going to survive in society? How am I going to be? How am I going to be something? And that's what I was thinking about. How am I going to get a job? Not what job do I want? How am I going to get one? What do I want to be? Well, we're talking about all these things, about what you want to do and what you should do once you get there. and be dedicated and be a good Samaritan. You can't be those things until you get there because if you're so hungry to be something, you gotta be there first. I was very fortunate. I have a very nice family. 
My parents were very good people and I grew up with a very nice warm family. And what they gave me was a loving feeling and a sense of security and a sensitivity to other people. It still didn't mean that I had enough money to give anybody anything or that I could be that generous because I had to prove that I was something. And probably I had to prove it to myself because I had two brothers that were taller and handsomer than I was and I had to prove something. So what happened is that I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do when I got out of school and somehow I acquired some sort of style wearing things and wearing my brother's clothes or whatever, or my sister's clothes maybe. People would ask where I got it. Somehow I had a sense of something that I had something, I had some style, I had something that seemed to be attractive. And I started out and I thought maybe I'd go into the world of fashion or whatever that was. I didn't know what that was about. I didn't know what a designer was. I didn't know what he did. I knew about Joe DiMaggio and Mickey Mantle, but I didn't know what a designer was. I didn't know any names. I went to work for a company called Brooks Brothers which to me was somewhat my style. It's very preppy, very tweedy, very classic. And somehow, somewhere along the way, I had acquired a feeling for that type of clothes. I went to work for a tie company and sold ties for them. I saved up a lot of money at that time, all the money I had, and bought myself a sports car. It's a white sports car. It was a Morgan. I don't know if you know what it was, but it had a strap on the bonnet and a... Anyway, I sold these ties, but I got into this car, wore my tweed jacket, not much different than I was wearing now, and went around to the stores and sold them ties. Now, how did I sell those ties? Most of the tie salesmen at that time wore black hats and long coats, carried big bags. I hopped out of my sports car without the hat, without the coat, went into the store and they threw me out. <laughs> Why'd they throw me out? I wasn't wearing a hat and they sold hats. But John Kennedy was very influential to me. He came along just about at that time and he didn't wear a hat. So by gone, I'm not going to wear a hat if John Kennedy wasn't going to wear a hat. The issue here was not that I was trying to be negative to what was happening and not that I was trying to be something that was a renegade. I believed in who I was for some reason. I believed that I wanted to be something special. That I wanted to be myself and to make my own spot. I didn't know what it was, but whatever I did, I wanted to be myself. And I wasn't going to be the old world salesman. I was the guy who was going to be myself. And I was selling ties to guys like me. And when I walk into the stores after that in time, they like what I wore and they say, where can I get that? Where can I get that? I went back to my tie company that I worked for and I said, I'd like to do this and I'd like to do that. Can we do it? And they said, no. 
I wanted to do wide ties, really where I started. I sensed maybe watching Fred Astaire again, everybody's hero, Cary Grant and some of the movies that I had watched, I sensed that there was a style and I liked it. And maybe there were other kids out there and other people out there liked it also. I begged my company, who I liked very much, and I said, let me go back and do that. Let me make these wide ties and let me bring it over to Bloomingdale's in New York City and show them. What do you think? And the boss of my company said, the world isn't ready for Ralph Lauren. We're a very nice little Ivy League company and we don't want to make wide ties. So before I was fired, I left. And I persuaded a company to let me design my own ties. And I didn't know how you made them, but I learned how to make them. But what I had was the sense that the world out there, I had a sense of what was out there, a feeling that if I wanted it, there might be other people out there wanted it also. I made these ties and I brought them to the stores and there were the wide ties and I called them polo. I love sports and I identified with sports but somehow baseball wasn't appropriate. Basketball didn't sound too good. I liked horses and I thought polo sort of expressed the kind of taste level and style that I wanted. And so that was the beginning of my career. Wide ties. I'd go home, I'd try them on, I'd fit them and say, look at these ties. I'd have them made and check them out. And I went out looking for piece goods and fabric and I found fabric in all the places that no one else looked. There was a lot of competition out there. There was a whole menswear industry and a whole tie company group. And I had to be special. I was known as the kid with the wide ties made the weirdest ties. Well, they laughed long enough until all of a sudden my ties were appearing in a lot of stores. But one day I went back to one of the leading stores and here I was with only my ties up till then and I was having some sort of success. And next to my ties was another rack of wide ties. And I said, oh my God. I'm finished. They're making white ties just like mine. It's all over. I might as well quit. And one of the buyers saw me with tears in my eyes probably. And I went over and I said, God, they knocked me off. They, they just went and made my ties. All those guys that laughed. And he said, Ralph, um, let me tell you the difference between theirs and yours. Your ties have love. I never forgot that because it's true. I created what I wanted to create. I believed in it. I went to my company and they didn't want to make it. No one else was doing it. I did it. And when they waited long enough to see it was successful, they jumped on the bandwagon. George Lucas is a great artist. He's been copied and knocked off by many people that said, oh, well, if Star Wars is good, we'll do our Star Wars. Well, they're gone and George Lucas is doing so many other things. The guy who starts it and loves it and believes in it and originates it and has a passion 
he goes on and she goes on. I've gone on in my career to make many, many things. And I'm a designer who really doesn't like fashion. I'm a designer who didn't have formal training. I didn't go to fashion school. I never went to a fashion show. How could I be doing what I'm doing? Somehow, I am you out there. I'm the consumer. I'm not the guy who sits up in a room that doesn't relate to people out there. I am the people out there. I'm the man who wants to be conservative, who wants to go into a room and look elegant, but not fashiony. My wife is the woman who wants to dress well, but not too well, not overstyled. What my belief is, is I have a sense of quality, doing things right, and designing things that people need or love. And when I say need, no one needs another shirt, but they do need things that give them excitement, give them a lift. If you go in and buy another necktie, buy another thing, it makes you feel good. Sometimes I sort of feel like, well, after hearing all the people here and watching everybody in the room and all the wonderful people that have been speaking, how important is it to do what I do? I'm not quite sure, but somehow when I got up here, I see a lot of smiling faces and I see a lot of people that seem to like what I do and I'm really thankful. So I thank you very, very much.